All right. Um, today we're also kicking off uh, a new series called Equipping the Next Generation. Over the years, the month of August, we've always set it aside as the month for uh, encouraging, maybe challenging, equipping parents, grandparents, uh, and, and also really speaking into the lives of our young people. Matter of fact, throughout this series, uh, th over this month, you're going to hear uh, our vision and our heart for our high school ministry. You're going to hear our vision and our heart for our middle school ministry, and also our vision and our heart for children's ministry throughout this month. Uh, but also, it's it's I want to encourage and challenge uh, those of us who are parents and grandparents because uh, it's also a, a time when many parents, maybe your children, are making a transition from, from nothing to preschool or preschool to kindergarten or fifth grade to sixth, eighth to ninth, senior to college, graduation off in the world of their own. And so a lot of times parents are thinking, you know, how am I going to do this? <laughs> or did I do a good job? Or whatever it is. Now, here's the thing. We're going to speak specifically in some ways to parents and families, grandparents. But really what we're going to share is for everybody. These are relational kinds of things we're going to talk about. So don't anybody check out just because you're maybe not in the heat of the battle <laughs> uh, of nurturing and equipping the young people. But it's all relevant to all of us. So uh, it's what we're going to do today. And today is maybe... I'm going to take a little bit different approach to the idea of encouraging parents uh, because one of the questions need to think about as parents, even as grandparents, are you parenting for today, as in this moment, this period of time in the life of your youngster, your child, or are, is your vision to parent for a lifetime? Because we can get really caught up in the moment sometimes, can't we? And we forget what's up ahead. So think about that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to dive in. And we're going to use probably one of the more popular scriptures in the New Testament when it comes to parents and parenting and children and all that. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. In your notes, up on the screen. And it says this. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first of the Ten Commandments that ends with a promise, and this is a promise. If you honor your father and mother, you will live a long life full of blessing. And now, word to you fathers, don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. Now, it has this phrase really jumped out at me. It says, you will live a long life full of blessings. It's talking to children. I think as parents, as grandparents, we all want that for our children, right? We want our children to live a long life that is filled with God's blessing. How does that happen? It says, well, if you honor your father and mother, then this can happen. And the word honor, it's an interesting word because we tend to think, you know, for us, oftentimes honor is this external, you know, we, we honor somebody maybe with words or a ceremony or something like that. But honor starts in the heart. It, it, it's, we, we begin the honor process because it comes from the heart. It, it, matter of fact, 
at the heart of the family is the heart. Your heart's a big deal. In our, in our culture right now, one of the reasons that our culture is such a mess is because it's, a, it's not just a breakdown of the family, it's a breakdown of people's hearts. Is, the, is where it all originates. And it says this in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Everything comes out of your heart. Every action, every attitude, every word. The Bible tells us that our words are from the overflow of our heart. Your heart is a big deal. We're going to talk about your heart today. What does it mean for us as parents, as families, as grandparents to, to operate out of our heart? How do, you, how do we as parents help develop a heart in our children that honors their father and mother, but also honors God? How does all that happen? So we're going to dive into that, okay? How, how do we parent from the heart? And how can we, from the heart, help develop the hearts of our children? So number one is this. We're going to talk about several of them. One of them is that we focus on their character more than their conduct. Now, this goes, all these points go to every, in all your relationships, all right? We, we focus on character rather than just the conduct of the moment. We call this internal versus external because right now, as parents especially, there's so much pressure there's pressure on your time, right? If you, even if you just have one child, your, your, your time is so, con if they have, if they're involved in all activities and if, and if they have multiple children, you, I mean, mom and dad, you feel like this professional Uber driver, right? You're just running kids from here to there and they're different age groups and different activities they are all over town and you're just like, oh, oh, the end of the day, yes. I succeeded. I got them all to where they're supposed to be on time. And I picked them up, most of them, on time. <laughs> right? And, and so that we have that pressure. We have pressure on our time. We have pressure on, on their performance, and which translates to our performance. You ever notice that, parents? You ever, you ever, are, are you ever very anxious and stressed out when you're watching your children play a sport? Because in your mind, you're thinking, boy, I hope they do well, because what are those other parents going to think about me if they don't? That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? And so there's just a lot of, on their behavior and on their words, we get so caught up in these external things that we forget about the internal. Just their character, their heart, their soul, the things that really matter. We get so consumed with out here what it the outward that we forget about the inward but here's what jesus says in luke 4, 6 45 he says good people do good things because of the good in their hearts bad people do bad things because of the evil in their hearts your words show what's in your heart ouch <laughs> did you know that verse is in the bible your words show 
what's in your heart because it all comes back to your heart your heart is the wellspring of life what is a wellspring everything it's a well okay all the wells in the water whatever you draw out of that well is what is in it whatever comes out in your life your attitude your words your behavior comes out of your heart the well that's why for parents it's so important that we communicate and we discipline with our children in the way that values their heart and their motives even more than just behavior you know it's so easy for all of us in a lot of our relationships to focus on winning an argument you ever get into an argument and you're going boy i hope i lose this one no we we do so to win right and so whether it's with our children with a friend with a parent whatever we we argue because we want to win the point of view in the moment but sometimes we do so at the expense of maybe losing or damaging the heart another one that happens sometimes for us is and we fall into this it's sort of the pride thing winning an argument but the other one is constantly using the words i told you so you like to say that word you know what that is i mean i told you so you shouldn't have done this see i told you that was going to happen and you did it anyways what are you thinking i told you right you know what that does just think let's let's sort of dissect that that those words for a moment when you say i told you so to somebody you know what it does it elevates you and it demeans the other person because i knew better than you did and you did it anyways you shouldn't have done that now it may be 100 percent true i mean you you may have every right to say that but a constant diet of that is very non-productive when you're trying to develop the heart of another person it just doesn't help so the question is parents especially are you fighting do you find yourself fighting with your kids or for your kids sometimes we have to stop in the middle of activity and, and think about that what's the what's the outcome of this going to be who's going to win if i win another one number two if i'm going to parent from the heart to develop a heart i need to build in truth and conviction into their lives truth and conviction you know this is more than just them knowing the truth what you want to do is you want to help your children your grandchildren to to not just know it but to believe it and, and to develop a conviction about it i mean this is this is like us for you as an adult for all of us we know a lot of things you even know a lot of the right things in life the things you're supposed to know you've heard it it's another thing for you to believe it to internalize it to believe it to grab a hold of it and then to develop a conviction that says you know what i believe in this so much i'm willing to go to the mat for this i'm willing to die for this 
That's what we're trying to impart and equip our children and grandchildren with, is helping them to get to the point where they have a conviction about the truth for themselves. Psalm 119 says this, and the way we do this it says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, more than just I've heard your word, and I think your word is pretty cool. <laughs> I agree with your word. No, I've internalized it. I've personalized it. I've made convictions about it. I've hidden it in my heart, in the center of my being. And we're trying to help our children to do that. We're trying to help our children to know about God and to love him as early as we possibly can. We teach them how to learn. We teach them how to love love God, how to trust God, how to live out biblical principles. One of, one of the earliest memories of my childhood that I have is every, I mean every evening before bed, our family would sit around together in the living room, and I remember sometimes on the floor, and we would read Bible story books and I remember the one book, I think, I think my mom still has this. It's a book about this big and about that thick. And, and it has all the Bible stories throughout the whole Bible. And it has pictures. Now, I, I realized recently they weren't photographs, okay? But they were more paintings and drawings of all the different Bible stories in Scripture. And we'd get through it, and what, what would we do? We'd start over again over and over all throughout my childhood this was this was some of the memories that i had and they were good ones it was beginning to build that foundation not just knowing but believing and having convictions about the truth of god's word and then the other way that we can help do this is and i know parents i know when your kids start hitting this stage of life it just drives you crazy stop it I don't have time. I don't know all the answers. They always ask the one question that has three letters. What is it? Why? Why? You go, I don't know. <laughs> Just quit asking that question, right? That's our response or in our mental response a lot of times. Here's the thing, parents. <laughs> when your children are asking why is sort of irrelevant as it seems, they're beginning to develop the process of learning to understand it's going on in their mind so the uh, here's my encouragement you take the time to try to figure out and explain truthfully okay the truth is good the as much as you can the answers to these why questions at their level of understanding let them know that learning answers to questions is a good thing i mean it's easy quit i mean there's 30 why questions about this little thing i don't know and i understand <laughs> how many times have you barraged god with questions why god why'd you do this god why'd you let this happen god why 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 <laughs> sometimes god answers us sometimes we don't like the answer sometimes he's quiet because deep down we already know it. We just, need, we just need to figure it out ourselves. And sometimes 
Sometimes the answer that we give, and I know there's a time and a place for this, and God does it for us, is, you know what? You need to do this simply because I told you so. There's a point as parents, you know, you you don't have the reasoning that you have for them doing a certain thing. It just, they wouldn't get it, right? It's just they don't want to do it, so no matter what answer you give them, it's not going to be good enough. There's a place for that. Matter of fact, God does that a lot. You read the Bible, and you get biblical instructions and principles on what you're supposed to do, and you don't understand why, but out of obedience, you do it. And you know what that begins to develop? As your children do things that you tell them, this is what you're supposed to do, maybe you give them a reason, maybe you just trust me, and things begin working out, it begins to build trust in you from them. The same thing happens with you and God, right? You ever do something that the Bible said to do? You don't understand, you don't even want to do it, but you did it anyways, and you were, oh, <laughs> wow, this is working out pretty good. Maybe God knows what he's talking about. Maybe I should trust him a little more all the time. That's how you help develop this conviction of truth in your children's lives. But it also means you allow them to struggle with their faith. What does that mean? It means that when your child comes up to you and he says, mom or dad, I hate you. Or, I don't believe in God. That sort of freaks you out, doesn't it? Over the years of being a youth pastor, I got those from parents a lot. My teenager, they hate me or they don't believe in God, what am I going to do? I said, wait till tomorrow. (laughs) Wait till next week. Just love them. You know, as years ago, I, I, before I became a congregational pastor, I spent about 14 years as a youth pastor. And I remember this is before, the years before our children, we have three daughters, and bef- as they were growing up, you know, before they became uh, high schoolers in, in the youth ministry I was leading, uh, I, parents used to come to me sort of in the prime of my youth ministry, and they used to say, what, what do I do, you know? And they'd ask for advice with their teenagers. And I'm, you know, part of you is going, oh, I must be an expert because look at all these parents coming to me. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But I'm thinking in my mind, I'm going, oh, man, I can't wait till our girls become teenagers. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be an awesome parent to teenagers. And then they became teenagers, And I'm going, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I sympathize with all these parents who were struggling, right? Even though our our family, we did, together we did a pretty good job. They're all serving the Lord right now, which is awesome, right? But here's the thing. As parents, just as God gives you room to develop, we give room to our children to develop as well. Which goes right into number three. I'm going to piggyback right into this one. Okay? Is that we need to embrace their potential in spite of their problems. In other words, we 
we need to focus on who our children are becoming rather than their current situation and what's happening in their life, their words and the behaviors of the moment. Because what they're doing right now, chances are they're not going to be doing a year from now, five years from now. And oftentimes we get caught up in this moment. That's why we need to be patient with their development. Guess what? Just as God is patient with you. We just finished a whole series. Our summer series was called Under Construction. And it's the idea that God's at work in each one of our lives. And our theme verse was Philippians 1.6, which says this. It's in your notes. It says, I'm sure that God who began this good work within you, he will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day that Jesus Christ returns. In other words, your child is in process of becoming who God wants them to be just like you are. You're not done yet. Your children aren't done yet. Matter of fact, Colossians 3.10 says this. You have clothed yourselves with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ who created this new nature within you. God's doing his work. He's doing his work in your life. He's working in your children's lives. And one of the best things you can do as parents is create space. You make room for your children to explore God, to grow, to make mistakes, to not do everything right all the time. Because guess what? God's given you a lot of grace, and he's given you grace right now. And a lot of times, parents, we think, our kids, they just aren't getting it. I mean, we had this talk. We both agree that this is what should happen. And then they go to school, they go out with their friends, and it's like they forgot everything we said. <laughs> and God goes, yeah, welcome to the club. Remember when you read that verse the other day? And we had this little talk, and then you went to work. And you hung out with your friends, <laughs> and you forgot all about we, we, what you, we just talked about, what you just read. Are you seeing the parallels here? Our Heavenly Father, us, you as a parent, a grandparent, your children. We're all in this together, folks. We give each other space. There's a story in the New Testament. I love this story. There's a a wealthy young guy comes to Jesus one time and he says, teacher, what do I need to do to get to heaven? To see the kingdom of God and, and, and Jesus obviously knew his heart, but he said, okay, well, you know, you know all the Old Testament laws, you know, all the Ten Commandments, I'm doing those, love God, love other people. Yeah, I'm doing this, doing all those. And then Jesus, knowing his heart, he said, well, there's one more thing that you really need to do to sort of make the jump. Because you're wealthy, you need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Because Jesus knew that was what he was hanging on to in his life. And the guy couldn't do it. He said, sorry. And Jesus made this comment that's really interesting. As the dude was leaving, he said, you are not very far from the kingdom of God. So parents, here's my encouragement to you. Your children are not very far from who God is creating them to be. Be patient. Hang in there. Keep pouring into their lives. 
they'll get there someday. And then number four, if we're going to parent from the heart, we need to pursue God's purpose for our kids and not our own plans. Now, this is a hard one. We tend to think, okay, yeah, sure. But it's hard sometimes as parents because many of us, we try, we try to guide our children into our picture of success for them. But actually, it's our picture of success for us. <laughs> if I was a really good parent, if I, if I become a successful parent, here's what my kids are going to look like, right? So we tend to, we don't mean to, we want our best for our kids, but we tend to have this subconscious guide that says, well, I want my kids to grow up to do this or be this. But it says in Jeremiah 1.5, listen carefully. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, who is I? <laughs> it's God, right? This is what God was saying to and about Jeremiah. I mean, this is, he, he's encouraging, his look, Jeremiah, you're going to be a prophet because God had told Jeremiah he wanted to be a prophet, and Jeremiah going, oh, I'm not worthy of this. And God said, no, I had this plan out a long time ago. You're going to do it, okay? And he, the, God would, he says that to us too. Before you were even thought about, you were born, you were formed, I knew you, I had a plan for your life. This applies to you, every one of you in this room. This applies to you, but guess what? It applies to your children as well. God has a plan and a purpose for your children. And our job is to help them discover God's plan for them and not necessarily ours. I discovered this term. I don't know if I, I tried to figure out where did this term come from, and I, I realized maybe I just made it up. Parental humility. You know what that means? It means being able to accept the fact that God's plans for my children might be different than my plans for my children. Now, in words and in theory, no problem. <laughs> but what if your kids decide to do something different than what you would like them to do, and they've prayed about it, and they say, I believe this is what God wants. Or maybe they don't even use God in the equation. How do you handle that? Do you trust God for them? <laughs> Or do you try to rein them back in and say, no, 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 no. Here's what we do. It's actually a pretty big deal. Number five, then, is if I'm going to parent from the heart to develop a heart, I help my kids develop a healthy self-image. <clears throat> a healthy self-image. Because so much in life is determined by perception, how I perceive things, how I perceive myself how I perceive, how I see the world, how I, how I see God, my perception of all of this. Because how I see things determines how I feel about things, determines how I live my life, my actions, my lifestyle. Everything is, comes back to perception, which really comes 
out of our heart as well. And right now, our culture would say that as parents, we need to help our children to feel good about whoever they want to be and that we affirm those decisions. That's what our culture would say. If you're going to build healthy self-image into your kids, then you follow their lead. You know what I learned a long time ago? When our children were growing up, especially the girls in middle school, right? That's a weird age combination. A lot of drama. There's days that one of or both or three of them would come home from school just angry. They're upset. They're crying. and The world just fell apart because so-and-so did this and so-and-so said that. And we're not friends anymore. And as a dad who's wanting to protect the family, the girls especially, right? You want to pick up that phone and you want to call some parents and you want to straighten them out. Their, girl, their kids are just a mess. And you go, okay, okay, let's, let's, let's count to ten. Let, let's let this play out for a day or a couple days. Next day, your kids go to school. You pray for them. You hope everything's going well. You know, you're just stressed out. They come home at the end of the day. You're just bopping around. Hey, so how was your day? How to go? Oh, we're best friends again, <laughs> you know? And you realize that what they're, what they're going through, what they're thinking, what they're feeling one day can be 100% opposite the next day, right? So here's our job. Parents, a healthy self-image is for us to help our children to see themselves the way that God sees them. Are you with me? And for us to be able to do that, we have to be able to see them as God sees them first before we can help them. Here's, I love this passage, Psalm 139. Man, what, what a powerful scripture on, on just the way God sees us. And it says this, 13 to 17. It's talking about God. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. Let's stop there for a moment. Did you know that you're marvelous? How many would say, yes, God created me? Raise your hand. I want participation. Okay. God just said he made you what? Marvelous. Have you ever looked in the mirror and go, wow, that is marvelous? <laughs> okay. We're going to do that this morning. No mirror, but we're going to practice that. Okay. Uh, we're going to say, I am marvelous as, as boldly, as confidently as you possibly can on the count of three. One, two, three. I am marvelous. There. Does that feel better? You, you haven't convinced yourself yet, right? But that's what God says about you. When you don't feel that, God's going, wait, 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 wait. You think I messed up? And it says this. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I'm going, God, how do you do that? Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And then it says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God, they are innumerable. And then in Ephesians, it tells us that God makes every one of us a masterpiece. 
That's you. That's your kids. That's your children. That's your grandchildren. That's everybody around you. That's, God, that's how God sees you. And the best thing you can do, number one, is for you to have this perception, this point of view, this self-image that says, you know what? My life's a mess. My heart's a mess. I'm, I'm, there's, it's chaotic. I'm not getting anything right. The world is just caving in on me, but I'm still a masterpiece. I'm still made marvelous in the image of God for you to get to that point. But then, when your children are just dying on the inside, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, just because life is a mess for them, which it's going to be, probably is right now, feels like it. They're making bad decisions. They have Their friends are pulling them that way, this way and that way. They made some mistakes. Things aren't going the way they want. They need you. They need you to step in and say, you know what? In spite of that, you are marvelous. You are awesome. God is still with you. And help them to see that. That's called connecting at the heart level in spite of what's going on out here. Then number six. I need to develop my own heart. This is for all of us this morning. If you're going to connect with, at a heart level with other people's hearts, it starts with your heart. Whatever you want to see developed in the heart of your children then you have to develop as well. A heart influences a heart. A developed heart develops another heart. A healthy self-image helps develop another healthy self-image. See, as parents, as grandparents, as all of us, you're a leader, you're a teacher, you're a human being. One of our jobs, we've, we've taken this on as a, as a, not just a value, but as a personal responsibility as a church. We are here to pass on the legacy of faith to the next generation. Whether that's in the nursery, whether that's in preschool, whether that's in elementary school, whether that's middle school, high school, young adult, whatever that is, we are here to pass it on to the next generation. And it's it, this whole thing of, of passing it on, it's a multi-generational thing. As parents, you may feel like your children aren't getting it, but the story's not over. There's more generations to come. You'd be surprised at what your children are getting, even though it doesn't look like it. Wait till they become parents. <laughs> it might surprise you. Oh, they were paying attention. <laughs> oh, I did get through. I didn't realize that. It's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story for your children, but it's also not the end of the story for you. You know, sometimes we get excited and we love having you, you young people, teenagers, up here on the front row. 
And for those of us in the back, we're going, wow, this is so awesome seeing our young people loving Jesus and worshiping Jesus. Many of you have been on mission trips, and you come back, and we hear stories, and we see all the videos and the picture, and we go, that's awesome. Our young people are excited for Jesus. They love Jesus. And as parents, there's nothing more exciting, grandparents, as seeing your children and grandchildren just loving the Lord, serving Him, and worshiping Him. How about you? <laughs> Where are you at with all that? Are you as excited about you loving Jesus? Are you as passionate about you being passionate about Jesus as you are looking at all the other young people? That's the challenge this morning. You know, God is the one, God's the only one that looks at your heart. Did you know that? You can't look and see somebody else's heart and their motives. We get glimpses from their fruit once in a while, things they do, because after all, everything comes out of the heart, right? But you don't really know what's going on in mine. I don't know what's going on in yours. Matter of fact, we hear this story in, in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, right? David gets anointed as king, and he's the least of the boys in the family who Samuel should be anointing as king. His brothers are all big, burly, you know, kingly-looking guys. And David, the scrawny little kid, comes along, and God says, no, he's the one. And Samuel, really, God, you serious? And God goes, yeah, I look at the heart. You see the outside, but I look at the heart. God sees your heart today, folks. He probably knows your heart better than you do. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows how, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. He knows how pure or impure your heart might be. How confused. I mean, we live in a very challenging time right now. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of confusion there's a lot of frustration, even here. I mean, it's been a fast summer, right? You thought, good, you know, back in May, you're thinking summer's almost here, good time to relax, we're going to go on vacation, we're going to do this, we're going to chill. And that's been nothing, nothing even close for most of us, right? Here we're in August, and we haven't chilled at all. Matter of fact, it's pretty hot. Well, different story. But anyways, okay, we're just... I mean, things have been really heated up this summer in many ways. But here's the thing. If you're looking for a rest, for a renewing, a refreshing of your heart, it doesn't come from out there. <laughs> it comes from the Lord himself. He's the one who can change your heart. He's the one who can renew your heart to refresh it. Maybe give you a brand new one. Maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord before. God says, you know, I want to give you one. I want to give you a brand new heart. In Ezekiel, it talks about God will take your heart of stone, that hardened, hard heart that comes with us by default. And he says, if you give me that one, I'll give you a brand new one, soft, fresh, pliable <laughs> teachable that's what God wants to do so this morning just want to ask you where's your heart 
Do you need some refreshing? Does your heart need to be refreshed today? Does it need to be brand new? Remember, we impact other people from the heart. Real impact. Whether it's our kids, our grandkids, our friends, family, neighbors, whomever. It's out of the heart. Let's stand together.